0: I think we should make Christmas one month and Halloween two months. Whoa. I think if we got spookier for longer, that the world would be a better place. Mm -hmm. We we need less Christmas cheer and more Halloween fear.
1: That's the cold open
0: right there. (laughs)
2: Hi, welcome to Flywheel Fridays. Keeping up with the federal IT news cycle, one conversation at a time. I'm Alexander Bolova, media producer for GovCIO Media and Research. With me today are my wonderful co-hosts, staff writer and researchers, Sarah Seibert, and special guest, Catherine McPhail. Catherine and Sarah, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Alex. Great to be here.
2: Thanksgiving is just around the corner, so we're taking today's episode to reflect on what we're thankful for in federal IT because between the cybersecurity concerns and modernization headaches, there's been a lot of accomplishments that are worth highlighting. I'll pass the plate to Sarah and Catherine to discuss what they're thankful for this year. Sarah?
1: Thanks, Alex. The first thing I am thankful for and that I've seen a lot of growth in over the past year is automation, especially with the passage of the PACT Act, the largest expansion in veteran benefits in a generation. Uh, VA is turning to a lot of automation to help expedite claims. So far, as of earlier this month, they've already received about 137,000 claims from the PACT Act, so they can't do that manually. So they're turning to a lot of new automation techniques to reduce some of the workforce burdens and make it easier to deliver benefits to veterans in a timely manner. There's also a lot of automation as agencies accelerate digitizing records, which helps them move away from paper-based processes and streamline agency functions. Uh, So this is a big point across pretty much every agency as we look to the future of a digital government. But it's especially noticeable uh with agencies like Nara, Department of Veterans Affairs, the Department of Labor has been focusing a lot on it a lot too. And yes, it just is helping move all information especially as it relates to claims and the more public facing agencies streamline customer services and improve customer experience. Uh, The other thing I'm thankful for are new diversity, equity, inclusion, and access policies and workforce strategies. So President Biden's recent executive order on diversity, equity, and inclusion called on federal agencies to create uh, more diverse workforces. So Laura Pertula from the Department of Veterans Affairs and Jess Barellas from FDA explained how they're focusing on DEINA following President Biden's EO. Uh, One thing VA did uh, was they launched its Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Accessibility, or IDEA, as they call it, strategic plan, which identifies efforts uh, the agency is taking to strengthen its workforce. There are also new workforce strategies relating to the cyber workforce. Uh, So the Federal Cyber Workforce Management and Coordinating Working Group announced a new cyber workforce report that details the challenges federal agencies face in closing the cyber workforce gap and outlines a coordinated interagency approach to recruit and retain top talent. Part of this effort is creating a special salary for cyber talent, so the VA is working with OPM to pay cyber professionals more when they work for the government, and that's expected to come to fruition by the end of the year, and we should get some more answers about that. So there's a lot more that I'm thankful for, but I want to pass it over to Catherine. Is there anything that you would like to highlight, Catherine?
0: Absolutely. One thing that I'm thankful for is that climate resilience is gaining traction in the federal government right now. Uh, Tracking this over the last year, we saw that last November, The Biden administration released a President's Management Agenda vision, which named reducing carbon output in federal acquisitions and improving supply chain resiliency and domestic manufacturing as major priorities in response to the climate crisis. The big news that came out last week was that GSA announced a proposed rule called the Federal Supplier Climate Risks and Resilience Rule. This rule would require major federal contractors to publicly disclose their greenhouse gas emissions and climate-related financial risks and set science-based emission reduction targets. This would be a critical step in Biden's federal sustainability plan, which targets net-zero emissions economy-wide by no later than 2050. The climate-related risk aspect of this rule is also important. The administration wants to ensure that federal facilities and supply chains are more resilient to extreme weather events, such as hurricanes, droughts, and wildfires that can impact critical infrastructure. So there's also a really important security consideration here as well. And prior to this rule, government has already been building more sustainability language and requirements into its contracts, including its IT contracts. But if the rule passes, this will accelerate that journey. Currently, agencies are tackling climate resilience from every angle. And you can read more about this in our article coverage. Just last week, the Department of Energy's Argonne National Lab released a new climate portal, which is a data-driven effort in collaboration with FEMA and AT&T that provides localized and actionable climate data. You don't need a technical background or a background in climate science to understand the data. The metrics are meant to be useful for both emergency managers at the federal, state, and local level, and also for everyday individuals are interested in future climate conditions in their area. President Biden also established the Justice40 initiative, which dedicates 40 percent of federal investments in climate and clean energy to benefit communities that are marginalized, underserved, or overburdened by pollution. And that is a government-wide initiative. So there is a lot of work happening in this arena right now. And GSA Administrator Robin Carnahan has called sustainable acquisition and government work and sustainability a triple win. She says that it's good for the environment and for the health of our planet and of future generations, that it's going to create good jobs in America, and that it'll save tax money and lower energy costs. A good example of this is that since the federal government established its own climate goals, energy use by buildings and vehicles has dropped 32%, which saves taxpayers $11.8 billion annually. So it's really exciting to see how this work has progressed over the past year, coming from that initial announcement a year ago that they were going to be considering a rule on greenhouse gas emissions accompanied by executive orders to now having that proposed rule. And in the meantime, the Department of Energy, GSA, EPA, and a lot of other organizations have already started creating and building outlines and guidance for agencies on how to have more sustainability language in their IT contracts and their acquisition vehicles. So it's been really exciting to track this progress over the last year, starting with that vision and executive orders. And now we finally have this proposed rule from GSA that's been teased for so long. Um, And it's going to be great to see things continue to develop as government looks to really leverage the power of federal acquisition to address the climate crisis. Making our way back to the Thanksgiving dinner table, Sarah, are you interested in seconds? I'll always take a second plate.
1: Another thing I'd like to highlight are policies around tech and security. So there are three recent policies I would like to highlight. Uh, The first is the AI Bill of Rights, which comes out of the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. It codifies the ethical development and use of AI to mitigate potential bias inherent in some algorithms and data sets fueling the technology. So it'll be interesting to watch where agencies take this in the new year. The second is VA's zero trust strategy. So VA's new zero trust first cybersecurity strategy will help the agency implement continuous evaluation of systems and metrics, coordinate cybersecurity responses across the enterprise and provide cybersecurity architecture, monitoring and incident response. And then the last policy I'd like to look at is GSA's new privileged identity playbook. Ken Myers from GSA and Ross Ford from CISA recently joined Beyond Cybercast to discuss their new Privileged Identity Playbook, which helps federal agencies implement and manage a privileged user management function as part of an overall ICAM program. The playbook highlights best practices across identity management to help other agencies develop a robust cybersecurity strategy. And then the last thing I'll highlight, a greater focus on customer experience and human-centered design. So the Department of Labor is prioritizing human-centered design and CX as a foundation for modernization. Last month, the agency's CIO said that it should not be the icing on the cake, but should be baked into the batter or something along those lines. So I don't want to quote him directly on that, but basically saying that it is foundational to any service and any modernization journey and should not just be tacked on at the end. And then focusing on another agency, the Department of Veterans Affairs released its health and benefits application, which centralizes all veterans' health and benefits information into a single app. And as a teaser, John Borsler, VA's Chief Experience Officer, joined me on GovCast this week to explain how the app will help build trust among younger veterans. So make sure you tune in once we publish this episode for more details. Alex? Anything you're thankful
2: for? Well, I'm thankful for new microphones. Uh, I think our listeners might have heard a couple of months ago that we got those. And I've been very happy with the quality. Um, and I'm also very thankful for this show. I think this has been a great opportunity to share not only our knowledge on these topics, but also our passion, and interests, and just ourselves as people. And I'm thankful for our listeners for joining us on that journey. And with that, our flywheel Thanksgiving is over. The plates have been cleared. We are all out of food-based puns. Thank you, Catherine and Sarah. Articles related to our conversation today can be found on our website, govciomedia.com. We'll be back in two weeks for another episode, but until then, that's all for today's Flywheel Fridays. If you enjoyed this episode, keep the conversation turning by subscribing and leaving a review on the podcast platform of your choice. I'm Alexander Bolova.
1: I'm Sarah Seibert.
0: And I'm Katherine McPhail.
2: And Thanksgiving is the best holiday. Flywheel Fridays. Along with GovCast, HealthCast, and CyberCast is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released weekly across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at